Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the round two edition of the Big Footy Bombers podcast. Uh, I am the man with no name, uh, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Bonser34. How are you tonight, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Now, as regular listeners will know, this is a three amigos sort of arrangement, but we find ourselves without our um, our compadre. So, Bonts, what's going on with our, our good friend Doss? Well, I'm not sure exactly what he is doing tonight, but I'm going to say that because he became more of an honest man on Saturday, I think maybe his new fiance has put a stop to him talking to other random guys over the internet about the Eston Football Club. Well, that would be a shame if Dos, you know, our fearless leader, our our um, brave warrior, would um, allow himself to be to be shackled as such. Uh, but I mean, I'll, I'll offer my congratulations to to Dos, as I'm, as I'm sure you've already done, Bonds. And um, it's a bit of good news for everybody. Yeah, um, I did notice that you tried to slip the warrior nickname onto Dos. That's uh, not going to be happening. You are the only warrior on this show. Uh, Damien Barrett, no doubt, listens to this to try and find his next headline. So if we try and give somebody else his nickname, I dare say he'll be devastated because I personally think he might take a liking to you. Well, I sincerely hope not because that would be deeply offensive if um, Damien Barrett took a liking to me because uh, he's just a vile human being. But um, I did, I did try, I did try to pass it on to Dos. Um, didn't quite work, so I guess I'm stuck with it for another week. But maybe we'll, um, maybe we'll look into a rotating nickname um, next week, perhaps. So yeah, I also, even though I have already done it in private, I'd publicly like to offer my congratulations to Dos for his his engagement on Saturday. I'm not too sure what she sees in him personally. Um, I mean, I think out of the three of us, he's, he probably offers the least insight into the into the football club on this podcast. Would you say that's a fair assumption? I would think so. I think she's clearly just attracted to power. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, a super mod status on Big Footy does bring with it a certain level of reputation. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you've probably hit the, uh, the nail right on the head there. I, I No doubt when he first met her, he, he threw in the I'm a mod he probably was only a, a little mod at that stage. He probably wasn't a super mod. Oh no, he's grown up in front of our eyes. Yeah, well, exactly. That's that's exactly right. He uh, he certainly has, and it's obviously paid off for him because uh, he is certainly batting above his average. I, I won't go into too many details about his fiance. We won't we won't be creeps, but he is definitely <laughs> batting very very highly above his average at the moment. Uh, well, hopefully the um, wedding will be covered live on Big Footy. And um, if anyone causes any ruckus on the big day, I'm sure they'll be um, handed a red card in, in, due, in due course. Maybe we could do a podcast live from the wedding. I think that's an excellent idea. We can get special guests on. I imagine most of the ball will get an invite to the big day. I think, well, I mean, obviously Jade's going to be his best man. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm looking forward to that speech. I dare say Jade will threaten to cut him multiple times in the speech, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. It will be. I mean, I'm expecting... Oh, maybe Beerfish will also make the um, groomsman? Well, yeah, but I mean, Beerfish won't even come over for for the walk, to the, the march to the G, although we'll touch on that later. Um, you might have noticed today on the board I actually offered to pay, offered to help him book his flights. I was nearly said pay his airfare, but I sure as hell wasn't going to pay for him to fly over. But I offered to help him book, and he, he, he knocked me back. Well, it says a bit about, you know, loyalty to the club, but I'm sure he'll um, get an invite to the big day. 
Now, I think we've probably talked enough about Doss. Um, he's probably sitting there at the moment cringing because we're speculating about his upcoming nuptials. They probably haven't even set the date yet, I suppose, although I dare say Doss has probably had wedding magazines tucked away under his bed for the last 15 years. Mm. I'm sure th- I'm sure there's some sort of wedding planning spreadsheet involved uh, that Doss will lose in due course. Yeah, and I dare say he'll, he'll have some, uh, some bottles labelled in the fridge ready to take photos of, of, of various things he can taste test, I suppose. Oh no! Yeah, he'll 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 be using some um some substance substances to get himself up for the big day. Well, hopefully he doesn't take anything that's water prohibited. Oh oh, well, good grief! No, I'd certainly hope not. Um, all right, so I reckon we've probably ripped into our our good friend for a bit for maybe an extended period. So turning our attention to uh, last week's game, um, obviously our first game of the season, uh, wound up being a sixty-one point loss to the Gold Coast Suns up at Metricon. Um, I'll let you kick off, Bonds. What what did you uh, take in from the game? Well, I'll be honest. I was probably a little bit disappointed than most, um, especially in our first quarter. Uh, we were very sloppy early. We were we didn't move as a team. We didn't seem to have any cohesion whatsoever. Um, and I mean, I, I probably expected a better hit out first up, especially against the Suns. Now, people will say that's probably a little bit harsh. Because, of course, we did only throw the side together eight weeks ago. But it, it looked to me at times like they'd been thrown together only last week. Um, I thought our performances in the NAB Cup, even though perhaps the losses were a little bit bigger, were certainly better than, than what I saw, certainly in that first uh, quarter and a half on, on Saturday. I yeah obviously I'd agree, I'd agree with most of that. Um, the only point of difference I would make is I was obviously slightly more uh, pessimistic I would say about our performances. So the lack of co- lack of cohesion um, and the step up in quality wasn't an especially big surprise for me because I was expecting once things got serious, uh, we would be found out, um, which sadly was the case. I mean, there are a couple of good signs in there, a couple of good performances, but hopefully as the weeks go on and the side does gel more, uh, we can sort of put in a bit more of a competitive effort um, and obviously close the margins in their losses and maybe even snatch a win. Yeah, I think I think the, the pleasing thing to come probably out of the match is, is at times in that second quarter, I think we got over 50 points down in that second quarter, and we ended up you know losing by 61. Um, so, I mean, really in the last couple of quarters and a half, they sort of, they really only beat us by two, three goals, which is, is probably I, where I would have thought we were at. Um, so I think that's probably a pleasing thing and hopefully something we can carry on to into Melbourne this week. Yeah. Hopefully it was the team, you know, coming together more and getting and getting their act together um, a bit more because, yeah, there definitely was that big sort of bolt out of the gates where they where they sort of got away from us. But then we sort of did do well to, um, you know, not, not necessarily get closer, but make sure that the gap didn't grow too big because I think I said on, on the board this week, pound for pound, we're not going to beat any side. We are going to have to rely on keeping ourselves in the game as long as we can um, and then maybe taking an opportunity to snatch, to snatch a win. Um, and the last the last couple of quarters, we were good at sort of keeping ourselves in the game in that we weren't letting the margin get any bigger. So that definitely was was a um, hope for the future. I think personally for me, the biggest f- frustration for me watching that game was the lack of Essendon players front and centre at the contest. 
we quite regularly had similar numbers around the ball. I mean, on multiple occasions, Danaher would lead up and he'd contest hard. And I mean, the kicks were coming to the defender's advantage, so obviously they were spoiling. And the defender would punch to the front, and the Gold Coast player would be at the front, and the Essendon player would have drifted to the back of the pack. So we, we weren't front and centre, and a lot of their ball movement in that sort of first, or even pushing into the third quarter, came about because the Gold Coast just quite simply were front and centre. And that's not team cohesion or anything like that. That's just flat out dumb football. If you're going to the back of the contest, logic tells you, nine times out of ten, you're not going to win the ball. And it seemed to me that a lot of our players, especially when we moved it forward, were trying to get the cheap kick over the back rather than actually standing front and centre and being prepared to make a hard contest to win it once hit the ground. Yeah, that that was um, obviously not fantastic. Um, again, I wasn't especially surprised, but I think that could just be down to the lack of cohesion and the lack of gelling throughout the team. Um, you look at the good side, your, your, your Hawthorns, your Geelong, your Western Bulldogs, uh, this week, they know where everyone's going to be. They know what everyone's going to do. They know what people's roles are and they know that they're going to play that role. Um, our side simply doesn't have that at the moment. Uh, we simply don't have that awareness of our teammates, our knowledge that if I go to the back, um, you know, someone else will be at the front to get the ball. So I think that could simply be the lack of cohesion and, and the lack of uh, awareness throughout the team, unfortunately. I think that's a little bit of a cop-out, though, because I think if you've got an opponent, and, and the thing was, it wasn't necessarily that there was heaps of people around the ball. I mean, quite a few occasions, um, Danaher would be, would go up and there'd be an Essendon and a Gold Coast player at his feet and the Essendon player would always go to the back and the Gold Coast player would go to the front. And I don't think you can blame that on cohesion. I think you just put that down to lazy football. I think a few of the boys, especially on Saturday, early on, when, when they started to kick goals um, so easily against us, dropped their heads and went, well, I'm going to try and get the cheap kick over the back because what's the point in me putting hard hard yards in when we're going to get belted anyway? And I... So I, I think to, to try and blame something like that on lack of cohesion is probably a little bit of a cop-out. Yeah. I hope I hope you're wrong, and I hope that players aren't thinking like that and players aren't thinking what's the point, because if they're thinking that in round one this year, um, as you know, it's only going to get worse if that is the case. So I sincerely hope you're wrong, but part of me think it could definitely be um, an element in players' minds going forward especially with a few of the top-ups. I mean, the top-ups that are a chance of getting a contract next year, I can see them putting in the hard yards throughout the year. But a few of the older guys, I doubt... I mean, they're very professional, but at some point it could creep into their minds of what's the point. Um, and it could you know, it could affect their efforts. It could affect how hard they're willing to go. Um, I'd sort of almost understand their point of view, but I just hope that doesn't go that way. I think our yeah, most pleasing top-up um, on the weekend was probably Matthew Stokes. I mean, he had 27 touches, kicked three goals, and, and in general looked dangerous. I mean, he did butcher it on probably... It was probably three or four times where we should have got more go- where we should have got goals and he's butchered it. Um, but I, I still think he was probably our most pleasing, with James Kelly probably the close second uh, f- for his grunt work around, around the packs, um, especially after probably that first little bit where they where they sort of blew us out of the water. Yeah. I think 
Um, I'd, I'd agree that saying those two were the most were the strongest performing top ups. Uh, I think it goes without saying that best on ground was uh, David Zaharakis, which is very pleasing to see after a troubled couple of years. Uh, obviously, the 33 touches, 12 contested, um, managed to snag, snag two goals, uh, got 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 the ball inside 50 a lot, and just really drove us and let and I thought led us very very well um, on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I did note that a few people on the board had uh, Zach Merritt down as our best player, but I think that was more about the fact they were really excited to see such a young player play so well, and I think that maybe that was pushing them over 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 Zaharakis because, as as you said, um, Zaharakis was definitely our best on on the weekend. He showed a lot of leadership, um, and he played the sort of football I think that we came to expect from him back in two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, I I think Zach was great. I've got I've got no I've got no doubt in my mind that he was our second best on ground after Zaka. But I think you're right in saying people were just a bit excited about the fact that uh, Zach is so young and Zach is so promising and and all that. Uh, when I think on the day in terms of output, um, I'd have I'd have Zaka ahead as best on ground. Speaking of uh, young players, I, th- I think it was probably one of the most impressive debuts we've seen in Essendon Jumper in a very long time. That was number three, Darcy Parrish. Oh, how, how good is he? How good does he look? I mean, in a year of what's going to be, you know, turmoil and struggle and all sorts of hyperbolic words used about how bad we're going to be, uh, Parrish just sort of slotted straight in. Didn't look out of place. Didn't look overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, to have twelve contested touches in your in your first game of AFL football. Um, in a midfield where you've got no real strong senior quality support around you, uh, it's just a fantastic effort. Yeah, and I think the best part about his 25 touches and his 12 contested, he's only had three clangers. I mean, I know you'd be hoping for, for fewer clangers, I suppose, but if you compare that to, say, Matthew Stokes, who, as I said, did butcher it a bit, he certainly had, I think he had doubles, double the clangers as Darcy and a similar sort of um, disposal account. It just sort of demonstrates that, that he is fairly clean with the ball, um, especially on the ground. He, he seemed to have clean hands. He seemed to be able to... And he didn't seem to mind putting his head over the ball and feeding it out of a pack, which, as I think you have sort of alluded to with your talking about his 12 contested touches. Yeah, he just... He looks clean. He looks slick. He looks comfortable, um, which are all everything you want to see from your early first-round draft pick. So the fact that we did see it, um, from Darcy Parish was very exciting. So I mean, he looks ready to play. You know, regu- not not every game this year, I wouldn't imagine. But he looks ready to play regular senior football, uh, which I think, given we're probably going to need him to do so this year, um, could be a really great asset. Yeah, I know. I, I sort of understand what you say when you say you don't think he'll play every game. But do you think he'll go back to the VFL if he doesn't play, or do you think they'll rest him? I think unless he has a dramatic drop of form, I think he will only miss games through being rested, because he looks like he already looks like a pretty good quality um, AFL footballer, which, in all honesty, we're in short supply of this year. So I think in an ideal world, he would maybe get the chance to go back to VFL and develop his game um, if he if he obviously needs it, of course. But I think this year we might simply not have that luxury so I think they might give him weeks off to rest him you know get, get, let him get his body right um, not have him bash and crash for 22 weeks back to back this year um, so I, I don't see him going back to the VFL unless Woosher is determined to have him develop some part of his game 
Um, now there was another young, well I suppose he's not young, but he is another first year recruit, and that's our rookie, and that's Anthony McDonald Tipper Woody, um, otherwise known as Tipper on our board, and, and Waller by the Eston Football Club, but we decided which way we were going to go. I can't, which way did we, we, we decide, were going to go? We decided to follow the club and go with Waller. Ah. Yeah, so Waller obviously debuted uh, on the weekend. I know quite a few people were happy with his debut. Um, I'm actually in in the minority here. I don't think his debut was all anything too spectacular. He um, he didn't get much of the ball. He looked slow around the contest at times. Not not necessarily in pace wise, but just just mentally seemed to step behind. Um, obviously, his first game of AFL, so hopefully that will come. But I think my my biggest problem with him. Uh, was was his tackling? His tackling is just—it's so ferocious and so brutal in the VFL. Um, it's certainly one of his strengths. He only laid two tackles, I think, on the weekend. And and one of the key moments for him that stood out to me was—and I can't remember which Gold Coast player it was—but the Gold Coast player was standing there. He had a hand, hospital hand pass delivered to him. He had his hands up in the air to catch to catch the ball. Tipper hit him at full pace. I mean, it's the perfect situation as a tackler to just drill some bloke into the ground and make a statement. And he didn't do it. He, he, the Gold Coast player bounced off Tipper. Tipper hit the deck, and the Gold Coast player ran away. And I've just called him Tipper, and we did just finish saying we're going to call him Waller. <laughs> well, if you start tackling properly, maybe we'll start calling him Waller. Um, I'm, as regular listeners of the podcast will know, I was less, off, less off, off, optimistic uh, about what I was expecting from him this year. I've no doubt that if Doss was here, he'd be staunchly defending him because he's a big fan of Waller. Um, he just looked out of place. He looked like a VFL player trying to play an, a- an AFL game, uh, which is what I was worried about throughout the preseason, and sadly looks like it may be the case. Um, as you mentioned, it's his, it's his first AFL game. We could just be being simply way too harsh, um, but I think we had maybe a bit bit higher hopes for him um, than what we saw. Hopefully he does get the chance to lift. Hopefully he does lift. But I've seen nothing that sort of makes me more confident more confident than I was. I think the other person that was pretty disappointing for me on the weekend was McKernan. I mean, he, he's got a cult following on the board and, and he was very good at times last year and, and I have no doubt he'll be very good at times again this year. But he was really, really poor on the weekend. Um, and I, I think he's probably lucky that we don't have necessarily have someone that can play the same role as him in the VFL to, to push him out because his efforts around the ground weren't great. Um, there certainly didn't seem to be that, that desire to compete that we've seen previously. And I just think he, he'd look back on Saturday's game and be very disappointed. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean... To have six disposals and have, and also have six clangers kind of sums up your whole game. So he didn't get the ball a lot, um, didn't do a lot with it, and then he also made six complete complete clangers. So McKernan's an interesting one because I think I said at some point last year he, he simply looks too slow, not physically, uh, but just in terms of, of a football sense to I, to, I think, make it. Um, I was op- I was open in saying that last year when when there was the big cult following around him, um, I think it sort of peaked in that North Melbourne game because as good as Todd Goldstein was, and there's no doubting he was exceptional, uh, McKernan was putrid. There's no no other word for it. Um, his performance on the week on the weekend sort of harkened back more to that level of, of performance than, than the encouraging signs we saw. 
Um, will he make it long term? I'm still skeptical. Um, but I think, as you said, the fact that the only other option we've got, only other options we've got, are either Sam Grimley, who doesn't look anything too flash, or Mark Jamar, who's barely capable of physically leaving the ground. Um, I think kind of forces us to keep playing him in, in the hope that he does that he does turn it around. But he was probably our most disappointing player on the weekend because it was, of course, Weller's first game. So I think McKernan was probably the most disappointing player. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that summary. Um, speaking of our other Ruckman, Lewenberger, I thought he started off well. He got plenty of taps for us. His tap work seemed pretty pretty handy at times. Um, unfortunately, the quality at his feet's not too flash, so that probably went unnoticed, I suppose. He moved well around the ground. He's obviously on the way back from an injury, so I think um, we couldn't have expected too much, and, and I think he probably delivered more than any of us could have really hoped for in, in his well, it's only his second game back, I think. From from his injury, you're right. So I mean, his tap work was good at the um, at the contests, um, but I think the lack of fitness and lack lack of tank hurt him in that we didn't really get to see him use use his agility around the ground or even pushing forward. Uh, I mean, you sort of want to see more than you know more than eight touches and three marks from a ruckman if if you can. Uh, especially one who is very capable around the ground like Lewenberger, but I don't think that's through any lack of effort or lack of ability. I think that's just through um, very little pre-season, very little prep, and not much of a tank. Um, so I've got no doubt, as he as he does build up that fitness base, um, we will see um, more more of that from, um, from Lewenberger. And I dare say that if he does build up that tank and, and becomes a lot more mobile and McKernan keeps playing as poor as he was on the weekend, then J-Mar will come in to be that Ruckman around the ground as he was mainly at Melbourne for those all those years, um, and Lewenberger will probably go forward and replace McKernan, um, which is obviously not a great scenario, really, but it is... But it we're, is not, we're not exactly flash, flash for choices this year, unfortunately. No, exactly, that's right. Yeah. The other option is Sam Grimley. Um, hopefully he can turn things around. Um, because I wasn't especially impressed with him in the preseason, to be perfectly honest. So I mean, he's the other no, option as well, in that he can he can play the um, that forward role very well. He got leading goal kicker in the VFL uh, last year, so he's more than capable of taking a mark and kicking a goal. Uh, if he can do it at the AFL level, though, is another question entirely. Well, that's actually a very good point. I, I sort of forgotten about him a little bit. So yeah, I mean, he could be another option to bring in, um, and I dare say that. If what happens on the weekend continues to happen, Danaher is definitely going to need somebody um, to come in and help him. So Grimley may be worth it, worth the roll of the dice. I mean, at the end of the day, we've signed him up for a year. There's no point sitting him in the VFL for, for the whole year. We may as well roll the dice, and it may as well be early in the season if we're going to do that. Yeah, I personally probably see him getting a game ahead of Jamar, uh, partly because he's much more likely to be match fit than Jamar at the minute. Um, and also because I think JMR's more there as sort of a ruck coach and sort of break, break in case of emergency. Um, so I think Grimley might get a crack before JMR, but of course I could be wrong. We'll just touch on a couple of more things before we move on to the preview because we are starting to run out of time. Um, I thought Bagley's courage on the weekend was a game display and I think his game was underrated. I think his game will be underrated for mo- most of the year. Um, as a small defender, 
he's going to have a very hard time, but I thought he was very impressive again on the weekend, and I think the Gold Coast player can consider himself lucky that he only got a fine for the whack to the back of the head, because it was a bit of a cheap one, and I wasn't too impressed with it. Um, Matt D, I thought, was probably better than most expected. He did play. Hello, Eth. I know you were meant to be on tonight, but you weren't, but he certainly did play, and 93% disposal efficiency, I think, sort of summed up that when he got the ball, he was very good with it. He did make the right decisions. Um, and the other person, I think, that wasn't too bad was was probably Paddy Ambrose. I think he was definitely playing on a um, much larger opponent, and I think that maybe he's undersized for the role they had him in, but I thought he competed hard. I thought he competed well, and I think he looked more comfortable down back than he ever has as a mark uh, marking lead-up forward, which, of course... Heard tried to Heard and Thompson have both tried to play him as. Yeah, I I'm happy to admit I may have been wrong about Patrick Ambrose. I obviously wasn't especially confident about him uh, down back in our last uh, last episode, which was the season preview. I wasn't especially confident, so um, so far it looks like I may be wrong about that, and I, I sincerely hope I am. Um, regarding D, I'd agree that he did look very good coming off half back, which I think. Um, I think we did get him because of his season, his senior head and his quality of disposal, which we we just need coming off halfback in the absence of Michael Hibbard. Um, and Bags being underrated is probably no great surprise because usually defenders get underrated in general um, and small defenders are doubly so. So I'm not surprised. I think that he's just that quality, consistent performer. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully he can keep delivering that as vice-captain. And I know I did say that would be my last thing, but I'll just say one more thing. How good is Ablett? I mean, he's just unbelievable. The, he he had no right to come back and play as well as he did. He came off abs- pretty much no match practice. He's been out for months, and he just looked like he'd been playing every week for the last 52 weeks. He was just unbelievable. And if you're not sure who to put your money on the Brownlow at this early in the season, don't worry about anyone else. Put it on Ablett because he will be right up there. I think the Gold Coast will win a lot more games than last year. I think they'll play finals this year. I think they are going to be much better than they were last year. And I think Gary will definitely get enough votes, based on what I saw on Saturday, to get himself his third Brownlow medal. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised by how good he was, just because he's an absolute legend of the game, unquestionably. I think the scary thing was that he looked so good. And to me, he didn't look like he got out of second year. Um, I think, like Rodney Eats said, I think he can. He, there's a lot of improvement to come from Gary Ablett, um, which is just ever so slightly terrifying, um, because he was just electric. He had, he was, you know, good in contests. He looked fit. He looked fast. His disposal, his touch hasn't gone away. He's just a freak of a player, and it's just any time you watch him play, it's just time well spent. Yeah, Rocket was pretty harsh on him when he said he could get better, but. Um... Yeah, you're right. It is it is exciting to watch him play. Now, we do look forward now to round two. Um, do we call them your second team, or are they now your first side in the Melbourne Football Club? Oh, they're not... They're not going to be my first side. I mean, I choose, I, I'll put it this way. I choose to go for Melbourne. Essendon is who I am. Even if I didn't want to go for Essendon anymore, it's not, it's not a choice anymore. Um, it's just ingrained in me and ingrained, ingrained in who I am. Uh, for better or worse, richer or poorer, Essendon, Essendon's who I'm with, Essendon's who I'm going to die with. 
Um, but obviously, I've got quite a soft spot for the Ds. I've jumped on board with them on them a couple of years ago with with a membership. Get along to a few games, so no doubt I've got a soft spot for them. Uh, but the self-imposed rule is that in these games, I support the underdog. Uh, and of the three games we've played against them so far this so, so far since I jumped on board, uh, twice that's actually wound up being Essendon. So it doesn't surprise me <laughs> because it's been a lean couple of years for the Bombers, and I think the uh, Ds are on the rise. It def it def definitely not not surprising, unfortunately. But when when you jump on board, you think it'd be, be the other way around. But uh, it's wound up being the Ds that have that have been favourite more often than not, include including this week. I've got no doubt the um their strong favourites this week after a, after a fairly good performance against the Giants last weekend. Well, they only played half a game of football and they won by two points. So I mean, they, if they played four quarters, I dare say we're in a fair amount of trouble this week. I th- I I think so. I think um, I was at the game on the weekend watching watching the D's and the Giants. Uh, even in the quarters where they drop where they dropped the bundle a bit in the second and third quarters, uh, there was still a lot to like. They were getting consistent forward entries. Um, they were just making little mistakes around the ground here and there. And there and I think their forward structure last week was simply too tall, uh, with Hogan, Watts, Frost. And um, someone else. Uh, they had four four big talls up for, which I think was probably a bit too much, and something I've got no doubt Ruse will recognise this week and probably make it a bit smaller. Uh, but when everything clicked, so when everything clicked in that last quarter, um, they just cut the Giants open. Yeah, I'm not too sure if he'll go much shorter this week because if they go tall, they'll certainly stretch us. Um, I think Brown's probably going to have to go to Hogan, which I'm not too comfortable with that matchup. Although I would wouldn't mind seeing Hartley come in. Um, and I think Ambrose will probably go to Watts because I think they're a similar build and I think um, Ambrose definitely has the tank to go with Watts um, as that lead-up sort of target centre-half forward position. I, I'd i agree they're probably the likely likely matchups. Um, I'll be honest and say the idea of Ambrose on Watts does terrify me slightly because Watts is... Um, for all his faults, he's an exceptionally smart footballer and he's an exceptionally talented footballer. Uh, so I, I really worry that he could he could be the one that bobs up and kicks a bundle of goals this year, this this week. Sorry, on Ambrose. Uh, I think Hogan did show a lot last week. Um, he got towed up by Phil Davis for three quarters, which for any young player is enough to get your head down and, and put you out of the rest of the game um, mentally. But uh, I think the way he bounced back in the third quarter, the smart decisions he made in terms of leading, uh, I think highlight just the star he's going to become. Who go? Who does Crowley go to? Does he go to Nathan Jones as as we as we would have suspected at the start of the season, or does he go to Jack Viney or someone else? Jack Viney's probably one of the players that isn't, you can't really tag because he's such an inside player. And my honest thought this week is I don't think we can afford to have Crowley tag anyone. Because with the midfield of Jones, Viney, Tyson, um, Clayton Oliver and Brayshaw coming back in, uh, most likely, that's an exceptionally strong, tough, quality midfield. And I think we simply need to have Crowley going into the contest. I don't think we, we have the luxury of having him tag anyone this week. Um, because... If we don't have enough big bodies in that midfield, we're simply not going to get the ball in the first place. Uh, now, Bagley will go to Garlett, you imagine? 
I would imagine so, unless Garlet plays up the ground again like he did at points last week, uh, which was really damaging because Garlet's so quick and so good with the ball. Um, he has a lot of potential there. So I think when he when he goes forward, Bags will be the matchup, and Bags is probably one of the few players that can shut him down because Garlet's a very important goal kicker. So if we can shut him down, uh, that will be a big part of it, big part of um, us getting closer. Personally, the, a matchup I'd like to see, I'm not sure it'll happen, would be Clayton Oliver head to head with Darcy Parish. You know, they were they were very close together in their in the draft order. Um, Clayton Oliver obviously played a lot very in and under game on the weekend, and I think Darcy to a degree played a similar style of game. So personally, I'd I'd like to see them go head to head. I think it's definitely a chance at some point. I mean, as much as midfielders do go head to head these days, I've got no doubt that at some point in the um, in the rotations and at some point in in some stoppages, they're going to line up. They're going to stand next to each other. Um, so we could really see them go at it head to head this week. I've got no doubt we will at some point. Uh, Clayton Oliver's a very promising. He looked as similar to Darcy Parrish. He just looked ready for senior football. So I think seeing those two go head to head is going to be very much worth watching this week. Who's going to take Danaher? Um, the logical pick would be Tom McDonald. Um, he was very good last week. Got got a lot of the ball and completely shut down um, their whoever their Nipsey third forties after Cameron and Patton both weren't playing. Um, so the logical pick is Tom McDonald. Um, obviously, he hasn't got the height to go with Danaher, but quite simply, no one does. Um, so I think he he'll take Danaher, and presumably with Lyndon Dunn, Lyndon Dunn coming back in for an injured Oscar McDonald, um, I would expect Dunn to sort of run back, run back, and um, help McDonald out where he can. Yeah, and I think this week the big thing I'm hoping to see from Essendon when they kick it to Danaher is they put it out in front and let him actually run onto it because, as you said, there's no one that really tall enough to go with him. And with all due respect to McDonald, if we put it out in front of Danaher and he's able to jump at it with his big, long reach, I, I don't think McDonald's going to have a, a very fun day down back. Exactly right, because, I mean, the good thing about being a um, a big, tall forward, like, like a Danaher, for example, is if you're able to mark the ball at its highest point, um, no one will be able to get near you. Um, so Lobb for the Giants last week, he was he, he had stints down forward, and he's this 200-centimeter giant. And what he was doing was he was consistently marking the ball at its highest point. So Oscar McDonald simply didn't stand a chance to get anywhere near him. Um, so if Danaher can you know get that into his game and improve his marking technique in that regard, it's just going to make him really, really hard to stop. Do you, I mean, the team's come out tomorrow, but if you had to choose now... Do you see any, any changes for Essendon? I would expect there to be a few. I don't think you lose a game by 10 goals and not not make changes. Um, who that would be, I mean, you probably can't afford to drop someone like Craig Bird. You probably do need the senior heads in there. That said, I would hope Cooney wouldn't get a game. Uh, he's quite clearly inherited the number 17 curse because uh, he was just he was pretty poor on the weekend and has been pretty poor for a long periods of last year too. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we might we might see Waller get dropped. We might see Wusher go really, really out there and drop drop McKernan for for someone like a Grimley. Um, I would expect there to be a few changes because you simply don't lose game by ten, games by ten goals and make no changes. Yeah, I think we'll see. Um... 
Waller go out. I think I actually think they'll swap Waller for Hartley because I think we missed a a third um, defender, um, and I think if Hartley goes out. He just comes in, and, and he probably is going to be able to compete with the big boys better. Sorry, I said third. I meant second defender, and I think he's going to be able to compete with the big boys much better than Quilton Ambrose will. Um, uh, having said that, what do you do then with, with Quilt, Brown, and Ambrose? Well, do you swing one forward? Um, because we certainly lacked forward options. Um, so I, I think Hartley has to come in. Who for? I, I'm not sure. Um I would like to see Edwards in the side. I think he adds a bit of spark that we certainly missed. Um, and despite the fact that I did name him as my as my best and fairest Smokey last week, I, I would like to see McKernan dropped. I think his effort was deplorable on the weekend. And even though we aren't spoiled for choices, um, I think we should be making statements to the listed players, to the listed senior players, that efforts like what he put in on the weekend simply aren't good enough. Other than that, Cooney will probably come out. Um, I don't really know who else can come out. I mean, Simpkin was pretty average, but you can't drop him because, as you said, with Bird, you need the bodies in there. Langford wasn't great. He fumbled it a lot. He was fairly poor, but he's very, very exciting and does remind me a lot of Patrick Ryder, um, especially with the jumper and the movement. So you can't really drop him. But... Who do you bring in? And and, that, and that's probably going to be the question throughout the season. Who do you bring in? Because there's not a lot to go to. The, not a lot left in the cupboard. Yeah, there is going to be a lot of that in that we're going to scream for players to be dropped. But then when, when asked who do you bring in, that that's where it's all going to fall apart. Um, I sort of see Edwards for Cooney as a relatively logical logical swap. Um, I see Waller for Hartley as a logical swap in that we can then afford maybe one of those big guys to go forward, like you said. Uh, mentioning Gwilt got me thinking that I maybe actually see him as potentially a better matchup for Jack Watts, um, simply because Gwilt's a very, very experienced, very, very smart footballer. Um, so I could see him maybe going with Jack, with Jack Watts, which might see Ambrose released up the ground a bit. Um, which could help win, win, us, win us in those contested ball situations with Melbourne's strong midfield. But I think, as you said, it's simply a matter of who on earth comes in, and the fact is that the cupboard's pretty bare at the moment. If Gwilt was to take Watts, I think Ambrose can't play, because I don't think there's another matchup for him down back, and I don't have any faith in his abilities further up the ground. So in that case, I'd probably drop Ambrose for Hartley, and maybe move Waller forward and, and let Waller try and be creative and, and silky and smooth and all the things that we, we've we seen you do in VFL, maybe let him be a little bit more creative in the AFL. Yeah, that that's that's definitely an option. I mean, um, Watts is just one of those players that's a bit tricky to match up on because if it all clicks for him, he's a fast-moving, strong-marking, exceptionally smart footballer. So he's just one of those players that's a bit tricky to match up on. So Ambrose probably has the tank and the agility, but I really question the smarts. Wilt probably hasn't quite got the tank, but I'd probably say he's more of a match for him in the head. So uh, there's a couple of options we have got there, so maybe it does give Wusher um, a bit of a range to pick from. Well, I think it's probably tip time, because um, I don't think there's much more left to discuss tonight. Yeah, so I'll, I'll let you go first. Who are you tipping this week? I'll tip Essendon again. Um, the the head the head says we can't win, but um, I will tip Essendon again, and I think we'll 
putting in a much better effort. I think we'll see a much better effort similar to the second half against the Gold Coast. I think Melbourne may overestimate their abilities a little bit after their win against the GWS. I think they might be maybe just be a little bit bright for picking, and, and I think we, we may sneak a win by 10 to 15 points. Well, my my tip is that... Don't sound, don't sound so unimpressed by that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced in the slightest. Um, I've got no <laughs> well, doubt... I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying uh, to convince our listeners. Uh, that's true. That's true. Our, our, we, our, we love our listeners. Um, I've got no doubt that this week my boys will bring home the points. Um, I think that's a very solid tip I can make. Um, but at the, end, at the end of the day, I will have a team that will have claimed some, some premiership points. Um, on to a more serious sort of tip. I probably can't go past Melbourne. That may be largely in part because I did see them live last week, as, as I mentioned before. Um, and I think the Giants are going to be a very, very strong chance to play finals this year. There were periods where they were very impressive. So I think, you know, battling with them the way Melbourne did is no, is no slight on them. Um, I think if they can sort out, if Melbourne can sort out their um, their forward line issues, I can see them being very dangerous because last week they had 56 inside 50s, uh, but only had only had 20 scoring shots. So you can see there that the forward efficiency last week wasn't quite up to scratch. So if they can sort out the issues with the tall forward line of Hogan, Watts, Frost, and Pedersen was the player who I couldn't think of before. Um, if they can sort of sort out that, whether it's with Frost going back, whether it's dropping dropping Frost or dropping Pedersen, um, I can see that being very, very difficult for us to stop. I can see us struggling to win in the midfield against that young, strong, tough midfield. Um, and I just can't, I can't see us kicking a winning score or getting, getting enough of the ball against them, unfortunately. Well, I disagree because I think um, GWS run demand. I think they're only going to improve, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if Melbourne dropped off. But I will certainly see firsthand on Saturday just how good they are. Um, so that's pretty much the <laughs> Gold Coast game adequ- adequately um, ad- adequately reviewed, and I think the Melbourne game pretty much previewed to within an inch of its life. Uh, now, as we know this week, uh, the club is really pumping up its um, march to the G. Uh, and getting their supporters to make a stance. So, uh, Bontz, do you want to go on about that? I won't go on it too much. I think everyone's seen the thread on the board. Um, Bontzer and Bomber for Life March to the G is, is definitely something that we're trying to get off the ground on the board. Um, at the moment, I think there's maybe him, me, and, and, and uh, Mojo Raisin, maybe. Um, so, if anyone else wants <laughs> to join us, you're more than welcome to. You can shoot me a message, you can... Post in the thread, you can do whatever you want. We will take all comers. And once we actually get to the ground, uh, I've spoken to Doss, and him and I at the moment are going to be sitting somewhere on level four uh, with Bombers for Life. The three of us will no doubt make a, a great trio to watch the game. If you have a general admission membership or if you just want to sit with some other people um, that, that you know and, and converse with frequently, by all means, again, send me a message, post in the thread, and, and we'll organise a meet-up somewhere for us all to maybe sit together as a bit of a group and, and hope like hell we, we, we put in a bit of a stronger effort than what we did last Saturday. Yeah, I reckon that'll be just, just a fantastic um, fantastic day out for all. Um, the march, and I mean, if you can, yeah, cause it's always better to sit with people you sort of know at the ground, someone, someone to have a chat with, someone to make jokes with. 
um, especially if the game turns ugly, it makes it makes it much more bearable to watch. So uh, definitely get in touch with Bonds uh, if, if you're interested, and he'll um, he'll look after you. Um, all right, so that's pretty much uh, the round two episode of the Big Footy Bombers podcast uh, all wrapped up. So we'd like to again thank Dos for n- not taking the time to, the time to uh, join us this evening. Um, I'd also like to thank Bond. Thank you for your time this evening. Thanks, Matt. And I just uh, like to say to Dos, I hope the uh, wedding dress selection that you no doubt on at the moment was a successful venture. <laughs> So on, on that note, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So um, thanks for your uh, time listening to us, and um, go Bombers this weekend.